O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name. For you have done wonderful things, plan formed of old, faithful and sure. And it will be said on the day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Isaiah 25, 1 and 9. Psalm 62, starting in verse 2. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him? Like a leaning wall, a tottering fence. They only plan to thrust him down from the high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths but curse inwardly. For God alone, O my soul, waits in silence. For my hope is from him. Psalm 150 says, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Psalm 34, 1 to 3 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will boast in the Lord. The humble will hear and be glad. Proclaim the greatness of the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Westby family, let's stand and bless the Lord.
is our hope in life and death. Christ alone, Christ alone, what is our only confidence? That our souls to Him belong, who holds our days within His hand. What comes apart from His command, and what will keep us to the end? The love of Christ in which we stand. Oh, sing. The church is gathered today, physically gathered, physically gathered. Now, 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 hold on now. We're not all here. Y'all know that, right? I don't know if you knew that. That was my version of sarcasm. We're not all here today. We are not able to all be together. We still have some who are at home worshiping with us online. And guess what? They have gathered with us today too. And guess what? We have 
two more services today that we're not going to be able to physically gather with them. But today, church, the church has gathered. We might be meeting in different locations and different times. The church has gathered today, church. Why don't we do this? Uh, because I was sitting up here singing. And uh, man, isn't it good to sing some worship music with your family again? Oh, that was good. I loved it. I loved it. I was sitting up there and, and some of y'all snuck in and I didn't get to see. I'm like, oh, there's Miss So-and-so. Oh, there's Mrs. So-and-so. Here's what we're going to do. This is going to be our welcome time. Look around and just hold up what you left-handed, right-handed, whatever. Just start waving at people. Wave at people because there's people here. You see people you hadn't seen before. You look around, you see, I mean, not just waving like you in a parade. Like, hey, look, there's so-and-so. Hey, wait, so-and-so. Look at them. Look at there. Man, isn't it good to not only just see people, but to see church people. Our church family is gathered here today. Man, today is a day of celebration, church. I know it's different. It's different, right? I know it's different. Uh, I was talking to Miss Kim Verdetti beforehand. She goes, I, I need something to do with my hands. I just want to, I want to hug people. I want to touch. <laughs> I get it. It's different. But you know what, church? If this is the first step, then it's still considered progress. And I am thankful for what we get to do today. Whether you're here at this service or another service or whether you're online, I am thankful we get to have worship together today. Y'all look a whole lot better than that camera. A whole lot better than that camera. Let me tell you about it. Can y'all believe, church, it has been nine Sundays. Nine Sundays since we did anything that looked like this nine Sundays. today is a day of celebration today is a day that we rejoice in who god is and it's good to see each other too isn't it now it's kind of a caveat while we rejoice in who god is man we've been we've been missing each other we've been gone for a while it kind of felt like we were exiled from this place you know what i mean now <clears throat> we were not exiled I've got to make sure that we, we play that. We were not exiled. Nobody forced us to stay away. They didn't bar the doors. We were not demand, we were not in exile. I'm saying it was like an exile. Okay. So don't, don't hear me. Don't, don't miscommunicate what I'm trying to say. It felt like an exile. You know, God's people went through a real exile back in around 500 BC. You know, Bill O'Brien's here. He remembers it. It was crazy. And, uh, it, it was it was an exile. Today we're going to be talking about an exile because I believe in all things that we encounter in life, God's word meets us where we are and shows us what to do next. And most importantly, not what to do next, but who to be in response to what's going on. So this morning, we're going to talk about exile. I've got my notes in front of me, church, because I'm so excited at this. This, this sermon alone could go like seven hours, all right? But, but we got two more services, so I'm going to stick to my notes today. So uh, just bear with me, but we're going to talk about exile today. Now, their exile was different than our exile. See, when, when the Israel, and that, let, me, let me give you a guideline. So today we're going to be talking about God's chosen people in the Old Testament, and they were referred to as the Israelites. We know them as the Jewish nation. They were also referred to as Hebrews. So as we talk about these things, I'm so excited. As we talk about these things, if I, if I call them Hebrews or call them Israelites or call them the Jewish nation or Jewish, I don't want you to be like, well, who's he talking about now? They're the same thing. Uh, so just giving you a, a heads up there. But they went through their exile because of disobedience. And I'm not here to advertise or try to sell you off on the exile that we went through is because of disobedience. No, the exile we went through or what we felt like was an exile was because we were trying to do what was right. We were trying to be in compliance with what our government and authorities placed over us have asked us to do. That's Romans 13. It's biblical. Um, so what we were trying to do is just maintain a healthy level of promoting safety for our people. But what the Jewish nation went through in the 500s BC, their exile was out of disobedience. They had abandoned God. They had steadily turned their backs on God and got to the point where they refused to return it to God. So what happened was, back in 500 BCs in that area, is the Babylonian Empire rose up and it came to Jerusalem and it conquered Jerusalem, it conquered the Jewish nation, and it took off most of the population, primarily the young men from the Jewish nation, and took them back to Babylon. And this is what was called the exile. Now, we just talked about that. Our, our, our time apart was nine Sundays. And when I said that, about half of your head started shaking like, mm ain't that a shame? And it was, it was hard. Their exile lasted 70 years, 70 years. Now, 
if you want to think about that, you remember we talked about the, the Israelites roaming in the wilderness. That was only 40 years. Their exile was 70 years. So if you thought nine Sundays without meeting together here was rough, hey, at least we're 69 years and three months shy of what they had to go through, right? So comparatively speaking, we're doing all right. So this morning, I want us to see in terms of when their exile ended and they returned, I want us to see what it looked like. I wanted us to see what they endured, what they experienced. Uh, I want us to kind of learn from that. I don't want us to respond to that. Uh, so I invite you this morning, we're going to be bouncing around a little bit, but what I want you to do, I invite you to turn to the book of Nehemiah. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you that. It's going to be a little while before we get to Nehemiah, but if you're like me and my biblical literacy is a little bit lacking, it takes me a while to find Nehemiah. Uh, I've known that I was going to be preaching out of Nehemiah, and it still took me a while to find it in my office. So uh, you can go ahead and take your time to turn there. But I want to be telling you this story as you turn there so you can be familiar with what's taking place. So we have this exile taking place that the Hebrews, the Jews, the Israelites, the they're all the same thing. They were in exile, 500-ish BC, Babylonian Empire. And then something really great happened, and it happened a lot during the time that, that things happened, pages were turned. The Persian Empire rose up from the Medes, uh, and they came in and conquered the Babylonians. And the first king of Persia was a guy by the name of Cyrus, King Cyrus of Persia. And one year into Cyrus's reign, this is what we see happen. Now, here's the thing. I want you to stay in the book of Nehemiah. I'm fixing to read from you, read to you the book uh, from the book of Ezra. And I believe we might have the words on the screen so you can jump on there, but don't be trying to figure out. You just hang in Nehemiah. And this is what happens after the Persians conquered the Babylonians. Chapter 4 of Ezra, it says, When the enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the exiles were building a temple for the Lord, the God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel and to the heads of the families and said, Let us help you build because, like you, we seek your God and have been sacrificing to him since the time of one really long, weird name, king of Assyria, who brought us here. But Zerubbabel, Joshua, I'm reading the same thing, right? No, I'm not. I'm in chapter 4. We're supposed to be in chapter 1. Where were you on that one, church? You throw something at me, yell at me. I can yell. Let's go to Ezra chapter 1. Just look at this. Don't listen to me. I apologize. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and also to put it in writing. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. The Lord... The God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Any of his people among you may go up to Jerusalem in Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem, and may their God be with them. And in any locality where survivors may now be living, the people are to provide them with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and with free will offerings for the temple of God in Jerusalem." So not only when the Persians came and conquered the Babylonians did exile end, but the king, the new king of of Persia, actually released them from exile. So their servitude was over, and now they're exiled in it, and he didn't just say, hey, you can go back. He gave them right to do that. But then he even encouraged them to go back and build the temple. Why? Because the Israelites associated Jerusalem, the temple, with worship of God. And what's unique about the letter that that Cyrus even had penned, I'm guessing, um, was that he acknowledged that the Lord, the God of heaven, he was even given credibility to. Now, I'm not saying that Cyrus was a a God follower of God. He wasn't. But he was giving homage to this God that the the Jews worshipped. And he said, why don't you go? Why don't you go build a temple? Because he was of the mindset, he was very multicultural in the sense that let's make everybody's gods happy and they will take care of our kingdom. Obviously, he was way off base, but this is his way. I don't want us to be confused, be like, wow, what a good godly man. He wasn't, but he was just trying to placate to the God of the, and the Lord of heaven. We all know the real God is. Uh, so the fact that he was honoring God and let the people go back to build their temple, why? So that they could worship. So they could worship. That's a big, important word, church. And I think during this nine-week absence, we've learned the significance of worship. We've talked about this. We talk about it every time we talk about worship. Worship isn't always just our music. Worship is the state of our heart. 
And it could overflow through song. It can overflow through how we are attentive to God's word. It overflows through how we treat others. Our worship is not just music, but our worship is what we bring to God as an offering. Not from our checkbook, but from an overflow of our heart, which is what God calls us to first. So they associated Jerusalem, they associated the temple with worship. And the new king stepped in and said, why don't you go back home? Why don't you rebuild the temple so that you can worship? This was a really big thing. But one thing that they had going for them is the same thing that we had going for us. You see, while they were in Babylonian captivity, uh, while they were in exile, they were allowed to worship God. And if you want to know more about the Babylonian exile, I really encourage you to take some time this week to read the book of Daniel. It's fascinating. You hear all about Daniel and Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. All that took place during the Babylonian rule in the exile. But one thing that because of Daniel and his his friends, they were still allowed to worship their God in a foreign land. But to them, their worship was cheapened because they couldn't go to the temple. They couldn't go to Jerusalem, the holy city. So for them, while they still could worship, it just wasn't fully there for them. Now us, we've been separated for nine weeks. And guess what? Every single one of those nine weeks, we could still what? Worship. We still had worship. Maybe it looked differently. I'm pretty sure the majority of you were wearing something different last Sunday when we worshiped. And don't even tell me what it was. That's none of my business. I'm just saying. We probably looked a little different when we were worshiping online and from our home. We probably did things a little differently when we were home. But we still had the privilege of worship. But every time I talked to some of you guys, many of you said, I can't wait to be back. Now, church, there's a couple of things that I want us to celebrate, but also a couple of things we need to be cautious about. We can never associate our worship with a building. Our worship is always and solely dependent on one thing and that is god if some type of horrible natural disaster came and just leveled our facility guess what we could still gather we could still worship a risen king so our worship is not limited to a facility but it sure is good when we can come together so we have to be cautious about that but i also want to remind you that our worship should not be limited to sundays and to a campus that we like the jewish nation could still have worship if you've been online if you've gone to our website that's one of our main campaigns that we've been pushing we can still have church why because church is the body of people paying homage and being in obedience and giving worship to our god so we could still have church the entire time and we're going to still have church tell you what some of the richest church i've ever had didn't fall on a sunday or a wednesday so i encourage you to continue to be and have church so while we've been able unable to meet in person we could still gather and have church and be the church, the same thing with the Jewish nation, but they wanted to come back. They wanted to go back to their temple. They wanted to go back and bring their worship corporately in the way that they most clearly associated their worship with honoring God. But this morning, as we look at their return from worship, I want us to pay attention to do very distinct things. Number one, I want us to see, I want us to learn who returned. And then secondly, I want to notice how they returned. Okay. So let's dive in first. I want us to see who returned to worship. Now, before we get to the passage, I want us to to kind of look back because we have to understand God's word. isn't just a bunch of little individual stories that stand on their own. It all stands and leans and props each other up because it's God's perfect infallible word. This part supports this part supports this part. And they just, it's beautiful how it's all woven together. So I want us to understand this, that that we know from reading God's word, not everyone returned to Jerusalem when they were given freedom to do so. Now, please hear me out. Let's, Let's pause button right here. And whether you're watching online or whether you're here in person, this isn't one of these where, hey, uh, we're here in person or, hey, we're, we didn't feel comfortable going back to church this Sunday, so we're staying home. This has nothing to do with physically where we are in gathering in worship today, okay? It's the condition of our hearts. When we talk about that a lot of people didn't return to Jerusalem, it's because of the condition of their hearts. Let me, let me paint a picture. We, we know from reading these accounts of the exiles returning back to Jerusalem that roughly 42,000 Jews went back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. That's fantastic. 42,000 is a lot of people, isn't it? Yes, thank you. Welcome back. 42, I put it this way. If 42,000 people returned to church at Westmead this Sunday, we wouldn't have a place to sit them. 
especially the way we're doing it now. We couldn't do it. 42,000 is a lot of people. But uh, again, we have to put numbers. We have to put everything we see in comparison to the bigger picture that God's word painted for us. So if you take 42,000 people, I want you to compare it to the book of Numbers. In the book of Numbers, when the, when the Israelite nation were camped across the Jordan before they went into the promised land, the book of Numbers tells us that there were 601,000 males. So before they entered into the promised land, the Israelites, when they were fully devoting themselves to God, numbered 601,000 males, which the, the real smart people, I don't remember their names, they basically said that could be anywhere from roughly two and a half to three million people. Now you take two and a half, three million and compare it to 42,000. We can hear the number and be like, man, that's a lot of people that went back to Jerusalem. Yeah, but it's just a very, very small shadow of the ones that were devoted themselves to God just a few years ago. So we see that not everyone returned. Well, why didn't they return? It's because when they went to another city and they spent 70 years and their family spent 70 years, they fell in love with other things. They got complacent. They fell in love with other religions. They fell in love with other little G gods. They fell in love with the economy. They fell in love with uh, commerce. They fell in love with how we can make a living out here. Many of them literally fell in love with foreigners. They, They married uh, men and women from those nations and adopted their mentality. The people got watered down in the culture they were in because they walked away and turned to their back and abandoned their God. Remember, this isn't about a physical location. It's about the condition of their heart. Not everybody returned. So who did return? Well, the ones that returned, we know, were devoting themselves to the Lord. The ones that did return were the ones who sought to genuinely bring their worship to God, the Father, During this time, we've seen a remarkable response of all this COVID-19 and how people are hungry for the word. But you know what, church? The truth of the matter exists. There are going to be a lot of people that after nine weeks are so discouraged that finding their place back into a church pew is going to be very challenging for them. It's easy for us to sit back and celebrate the fact that we're all together and that we're, we're back together and the doors are open and we're coming back on campus. And this is great and we should be excited about it. But we also have to continue to be the church when we're not in this room. We also have to open our eyes and keep our blinders off so that we can see the people around us that God put around us and understand they're needing and they're hurting and they need godly people like you who are followers of Christ that you go and you proclaim the gospel to them and remind them of the God who cares and loves. So many people fell in love with something else during this time of separation, during this time of exile. Church, Decatur, and the rest of our country is no different. There's going to be a lot of people that have walked away from the church and they will fall in love with something else until they see and hear the truth of the love of God coming from his people. So when we see this, when we see some people return, but not everyone returned. So when we ask the question of who returned, not everybody did. And again, if you're watching online, this is not some type of guilt factor to try to be like, you should have been here this morning. No, I am thankful that you used wisdom that that God gave you to be where you are. And I want you to continue to be where you are and engage us in worship in this way. And one day we will be all back together. But what I'm talking about, whether you're online or whether you're here, it's the condition of our hearts. Have we fallen in love with something else? Truth of the matter of this, this morning in all of our three services, as we walk through this passage, there's very real possibility that somebody's gonna walk in this place And while physically they're in this room, their hearts could be very, very far from it. Checking a box of a physical presence is not the measuring stick, church. Our hearts are. So we see who returned. The second question I want us to answer is how they returned. And this is where I want you to be in Nehemiah chapter 8. How did they return? When they were released from exile, they were encouraged to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. How did they return? I want us to see this in these six verses of Nehemiah chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. We're going to skip uh, one verse because it's, it's, it's crazy. But look at this, beginning in verse 1, actually a little bit before verse 1. It says, when the seventh month came and all the Israelites had settled in their towns. What does that mean? It means they had returned from exile. All the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, 
to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Drop down to verse 5. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God. Is God great today, church? Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen! Amen! And you got to say it that way, church, because there's an exclamation point there. You know why? Because our worship should bring life to us because we are worshiping a living God. And when we talk about worshiping God, when we declare the amen, let it be so, and we're talking about God, the living God, it should bring life to us and there should be excitement. There should be exclamation points. They responded, amen, amen. And then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. How did the people come back? How did the people return from their exile? They worshiped. Look at what just took place, church. What an amazing scene. They've returned from exile. They got settled into their own homes and they met in the town square. And Ezra stood up and he pulled out the Bible and he opened the Bible. And just the fact that the Bible was open, the people stood. And I'm not talking about like 14 people six feet apart. I'm talking an entire nation of people that had gathered stood. And for six hours, Ezra read the word of God. People get mad at me when I preach for 45 minutes. Six hours. And as he read and proclaimed the truth from the word of God, what was the people's response? They lifted their hands and they shouted, Amen! Which is their way of saying, let it be so! Let it be so! And not that they were giving truth, giving credibility to the truth of God. The truth of God is the truth of God. What they were saying is, let it be so in my life. Let what you are reading be truth in my life. What were they reading? They've been gone for 70 years. They didn't all have access to their version of the Old Testament that was sitting by the lampstand at night. What were they doing? They had an opportunity to be reminded of who their God was. They were read straight from God's word how faithful God is and how he doesn't abandon his people and how he doesn't forget his people and how he's faithful to restore his people. And where are they? They're standing in Jerusalem saying, yes, God has done this. He has restored us. He has not abandoned us, nor has he forgotten us. And we are here. Let it be so that this God be my God. And they worshiped. They were crying out for the truth of the Lord. Because what had God done? Even though the people had abandoned them. Remember, they were on exile because they had abandoned God. God had not abandoned them. He did not forget them. He didn't walk away and write them off. He was constantly trying to restore them, trying to rescue them. They had to go through an experience so that they could learn and be reminded again of who their God was. And when they got a glimpse, they worshiped. They worshiped. This is a beautiful reflection, church, of the gospel itself. That we, as a people, created in the image of God. Y'all might have heard something about that recently. Created in the image of God, turned our backs and abandoned God through our sin. And while God could have easily written me off, and while God could have easily just turned his back on any one of us, God continued to pursue us. And with the blood of Jesus, he rescued us and restored us. And that those of us who are in Christ can respond to God, amen, amen. I have a God who loves me and restores me. This is the gospel. Because what's so beautiful is the same God that was present in the square by the water gate is the same God that is present in this room today who is restoring us. Church, our response today shouldn't be simply for the fact of let's see who's here well let's see who got a haircut 
Well, let's just go look at real life people. You certainly didn't show up to see me. You bet done that on TV. There's other good things on, trust me. Our response today would say, I've come to be and present my heart for the Lord so that I may worship him. Whether it's in this room, whether it's in our homes, whether it's at 8, 9, 30, or 11, let us be a people church that responds to God's faithfulness today in worship. As David and our praise team comes, I invite you to bow your heads. This morning, God is calling us to worship. Our response to the Father today, as we've taken a note from these who have gone before us in Scripture, is worship. And in just a minute, we're going to just spend our time exalting the name of God and recognizing and celebrating him for who he is. And I encourage you that before we do, we're going to pray. And I'm just going to ask you, during that time, just go before the Father and say, God, show areas in my life where I may have been tempted to fall in love with something else other than you during this time. God, restore and renew my worship. Restore and renew my heart so that I can bring it fully to you untainted by the sin of this world so that you can be God of my life, that I may join with the chorus of these who have gone before and shout, amen, amen. For our God has not abandoned us and our God is in the process of restoring us. This morning, if you feel led and you you would like to respond in an invitation We're going to do that a little differently too. Off to my left and and, and my right, and the same as yours, Ben and Terrence will be there. And if you just, if you want to, if you need somebody that would pray with you or wants to pray with you, if you just need to sit down with somebody and and, and unpack some of the things that's been going on in your life, if you just want to put a voice to the things that have been stacked up against you that have prevented you from fully worshiping God, I encourage you, respond and go and talk to one of these guys. They're going to take you just out back in the hallway where we have some more people back there that will pray with you, that will listen to you, that will encourage you. If you want to connect with our church and membership, then you can do that. If you want to give your life to Christ, today is the day, church. May your amen be the first of many today. However God is calling you, if you need to physically respond by getting out of your pew, just come down to the left or right to Ben or Terrence, and they'll take you around back. We'll continue to maintain health and safety regulations so that Uh, We can promote and take care of our people, but at the same time, don't sit there if you know God is prompting your heart to respond to him today. But if you're in this room and you worship and celebrate Jesus as king, then let us take the opportunity God has provided for us this morning and let us worship him with our amen and our amen. We serve a living God who has not abandoned us, So this morning, church, just be restored and be embraced by a loving Father. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the privilege we have had today of being in this room together. Thank you for taking care of us. Thank you for providing for us. Thank you for your guidance in giving us the ability to do so. Thank you for our leaders on a world, national, and state level that you have led them. God, continue to be with them and give them wisdom that surpasses human knowledge. But God, this morning, as we have acknowledged the truth of your word and we've seen how you have been faithful in the past, remind us of how you were faithful this morning. God, for your church, those who are in Christ, may we not hold back, may we not reserve our amens for anything else, but God, may we worship you in the way that your people who have gone before us have shown us how. And God, this morning, if there is anyone here that needs to respond to you by by moving out of their pew, by coming down, by talking to Terrence and Ben or, or Julie, Lance, somebody in the back, God, I pray that the new way of doing things doesn't hinder their response to you, God. But Father, what we are about to be a part of, we take our place among the heavenlies and among those who have gone before. And Father, we ask that you and you alone receive the offering of our worship even now. God, thank you for this time and this day that we can worship you together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
morning. We're going to dismiss and there's a couple of instructions I want to give you, but I want to say thank you for being here this morning. I also want to thank our volunteers. We have an incredible team of volunteers that showed up this morning at 715. Yeah. Yeah. So here's, here's what's going to happen. I see a lot of our volunteers out here. I'm going to ask our volunteers. We have a bunch of pew cleaners. I'm going to ask our pew cleaners if they can come around the hallway and come in this entrance because all of y'all are about to exit through the back. And uh, we don't want our pew cleaners to be in your way. So they're going to be coming in from the front and start getting the service ready for the next service. So church, continue to be in prayer for what's going on. We got two more services. It's going to be a great day today. Our greeters and our, our ushers, our door holders are getting the, getting the church ready for you to depart. On your way out at the entrance of every 
Uh, at every entrance of our worship center, there's a chair with a bucket. If you have an offering or a tithe you would like to place in the bucket, you can place that. Our ushers will get that turned in immediately when you leave. And then uh, we do ask that as you depart, wave. Uh, just wave. Uh, and then as you go, please just go directly to your vehicles, get in your car, and y'all go ahead and leave campus. We, we want to make sure that the people who are coming have a, a good parking spot, but also we don't want a lot of people crossing paths or anything. So we encourage you to get in your cars and head on to the house, or, or if you want to go, well, I don't think anything's open to eat yet, but that's all good. Uh, thank you so much for being here. We love you. We hope to see you next Sunday uh, at 8 a.m., 9.30 or 11. If you need anything, please let us know. Have a great day. It's good to see you, church.